0: You're listening to a podcast of The River in Durant, Oklahoma. We hope that what you're about to hear will bless you and empower you to live the life that God has called you to live. We hope that it will strengthen you in faith and that it will help you better understand and better recognize who you are in Christ Jesus. And we do want to say thank you. The uh, I wasn't going to share any more on them, but you definitely need to know because of you, and I'm serious, you, you have supported us and blessed us and prayed with us and for us and gifted us financially and sent your youth up. You need to understand we've, we've been able to start three churches in three years. We've uh, began to reach out 12 hours north in Pickle Lake, Canada to a group of people who have never heard the gospel of grace, peace, and Christ's righteousness. And because of the ministry and some of the churches there, uh, that we've started. They, those people wanna take the message that we have, that God's given us, that they've heard for three years now, to Japan, to the people they know and love there. And this is a ministry that has been reaching out strictly out of love for other people. And you're a part of that. We want you to know that. We never thought we'd ever be in Japan, but guess what? Yeah. But God. But God. But God. <laughs> Amen? So just be faithful. Just listen to the instructions of the Lord and cast your net on the right side, of the, the proper side of the boat, and do what he says to do, and Amen. let the results be his. Amen? Amen. 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 Thank you so very much. Uh, turn with me to the book of John. I hope you share something this morning. I've been waiting to share this word to you and for you. I believe with all my heart uh, this will help so many people. It's a very simple word. Uh, we're going to talk about the whole Bible and we're gonna do that in, how much time do I got? I got two and a half days, okay. All right, so we're gonna talk about the whole Bible this morning, but we're gonna start in in the book of John chapter 16. Actually, uh, for the sake of the person on the computer, it's gonna be John chapter 15, verse 26. And we're gonna read out of the New King James. Hopefully you have that back there. If not, let me just go ahead and read it. It says this, but when the helper comes, this is in red letters, Jesus is speaking this to to his people, it says, but when the Helper comes, uh, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me and you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. Verse one in chapter 16 says this, these things I have spoken to you that you should not be made to stumble. How many people, people know you gotta be moving to stumble? You're not going to stumble standing there. There's got to be some activity. You've got to be walking in faith, standing in grace. The scripture says you walk in faith and you stand in grace. Takes both of them. These things I have spoken to you that you should not be made to stumble. Uh, They will put you out of the synagogues. Yes, the time is coming that whoever kills you, will think that he offers God's service. Man, that's some good scripture right there. You know, that's that's stuff you don't want to say amen amen to. Now, what, what you understand, what this is saying is that Jesus is speaking to his people, and what does the synagogue represent today? What did it represent then? That was their church, right? That, what did their church represent? What did the synagogue represent? The synagogue represented a certain way of belief a denomination, a doctrine, a theological understanding of who God is. And Jesus is telling his disciples that there's gonna be a day when they put you out of that. You won't be welcome. And it says that they're gonna kill you and they're gonna think in their killing of you that they're gonna be doing God a service. In other words, that to them, they're going to think they're doing something spiritual by shutting you up. Keeping you from saying what you need to say. See, the disciples knew something that they didn't know. Does everybody understand what I'm saying? The, see, the ones in the synagogue, the, this group of people over here had an understanding that was not flowing with what Jesus' disciples knew. Now, let me just show you why this happened. We're going to go ahead and read the rest of this. And it says this in verse 3, And these things they will do to you, because they have not known the Father, nor me. Now, did they know God? Did the people in the synagogue know God? Yes, but they didn't know the Father. Okay. What we're going to talk about this morning is something that has affected all of us in our lives as we walk. As we walk in faith in our life, there's things that affected us. And that's information where people have stopped in life and refused to bring any other information in there. We're going to go all the way back to the, the book of Genesis chapter 12 where Abram uh, comes on the scene. Abram, if you don't know this, Abram was Ab- his na- uh, was, is Abraham before he became Abraham. His name was Abram and God did something special in his life. We don't have time to talk about all that. But Abram's father, Terah, was a maker of gods or a maker of idols for people to worship. You know, and back then, and because we don't have an understanding of the history, and you get a lot of the, there's a person, she's a great historian called Karen Armstrong, and she has a lot of information about this period of time, and the Talmud, which is one of the series of books uh, that the Jewish people have of, of back then and and uh, Josephus and there, there's all, many writings back then that tells us what happened and what life was back, back then. But in Genesis chapter 12, that's right after the Tower of Babel, you understand? So there's a lot of things, there wasn't a lot of instructions by God. Matter of fact, there wasn't any instructions by God. Matter of fact, the world was so remote, if I wanna call it that religiously, you know, there was one form Before I get into the form, let me ask you this. Where do you think people thought God was in the time of after the flood? Well, I'll tell you what, if you're just not on spot target, I'm gonna stand right over here, I got my own little church. But anyway, (laughs) what we need to understand is there was a canopy around the earth at one one time and, and God opened up the windows of heaven and a flood came, and what do windows do? Windows let you look out beyond a barrier that was there, keeping you from seeing from what was on the other side. And so, after the flood, the first thing people saw was what? God. They saw a sun. They didn't see the sun before the flood. They knew the sun was there, but they hadn't seen it. And so, that's why sun was the first god worshipped in history of mankind. The sun god. It was the greatest, most powerful god worshipped in the beginning of man's existence and civilization of the world. That's why historically the sun god is everywhere. What was the second god worshipped? Little lesser than the sun because it rules the night. The moon god. And so you see a pattern starting here in the history of mankind of where God was at. So with their understanding, and just to put it in a, simple, in a simple way, and this is a crowd participation day today, okay? I'm not gonna ask you to stand up or nothing, I'm gonna ask you to move your hands. So, in the days of Abram and Terah, in the early what we call after the flood period, when there wasn't any books, they didn't have any Bibles, they didn't have any Jews to write down anything about what God has done, because He hadn't done anything, you know, but they knew that there was a God somewhere. And when they saw the God of the sun God, where was that God at? Everybody go up. up. Just go like to take your thumbs and go, in and a- Abraham's day, God was up. up. Uh, isn't that easy? See, if I can get you to do that two more times, you'll remember, maybe not what <laughs> I'm saying, but you'll remember in God, Abraham's, God's day was uh. up. So that's how simple this message is gonna be this morning, but I'm gonna need your participation. So Abraham in his day when he was Abram and his father was Terah, everybody in the world knew that God was, well, there was no instructions on how to worship this God. God didn't leave any instructions, how they, they just had to, they knew that how important a son was and how important you know, water was and, and everything. And then they knew that, that he was the most important, but there wasn't any instructions. And you get it, it off into history and start learning about Nimrod And how Nimrod began to uh, perform child sacrifices? You understand? Back, you look back in history, and and don't think that child sacrifices are so so rare and uncommon. You know what do you think abortion is? Come on now, that's good. Good word. And usually it's all based out of the god of what they think money, the Almighty Dollar. Well, we won't, get into, we won't meddle today, will we? <laughs> but see, child sacrifice has always been part of the human, human's history. And not only child sacrifice, but male child sacrifice. Just not male child sacrifice, but first male sacrifice. So the most, it, it, see, see the, the sun god was so important, so important. That they gave the most important that they had if the son God was given the most important he had. And so the most important person in a family is the firstborn male child. You ever read the story of Abraham when he was called to sacrifice his firstborn male child and go, that doesn't sound like my God. Does that sound like the God that you know? Does that, make, does that make sense that our almighty loving God would call someone to sacrifice their firstborn male child? See, that doesn't fit. We just look over it because we don't know the history of mankind. But once you start begin to understand the historical arc of man and how the word fits it, the scripture comes alive. We need to understand that The scripture says that God will come inside your belief system and work with what you know to lead you to him. And so when God called Abraham to take his firstborn male child and sacrifice him, he didn't even blink an eye, did he? Scripture says he staggered not at the promises of God and unbelief. You You know why he didn't blink an eye? Because it was the common practice of the time. Everybody did it. Everybody had children's sacrifice going on to the sun god. Read the history books. So, in Abraham's time, God lived up. What was the sacrifice? How did you present your worship to God? Male sacrifice. And one other form of worship that they had, and of course, Karen, Arm- the great historian Karen Armstrong, talks about this. It was uh, mutilations. Does everybody know what mutilations are? You ever hear a story about the people that have religions where they have to crawl on their knees, or they that they have to cut themselves? You know, to, to pay the price, they cut the flesh because they're you know they're trying to pay the see. In religion, that's what everybody's doing. Trying, they're trying to pay the price in their flesh. It may not be a form of mutilation where they actually bled, but back then it was. Yeah. And so God came into that mindset, came into that what was normal and average and everyday to, the, uh, to all humanity and came into that situation and says, wait a minute. God, well, I, let me ask you a question. Is, 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 well, let me go ahead and do this one. Is, is this, can you think of a mutilation that God called Abraham to do? Yes, yeah. Anybody heard it called circumcision? It's a type of mutilation, isn't it? Sure it is. Two forms of worship that they had back in the ancient of days was male sacrifice and bodily mutilation. And God came into both of those and begin to change the way humanity was. Now, the scripture says God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, amen? But our problem in churchdom is that we don't see that. We need to understand that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, but the revelation that man had of God has changed. Amen. Okay, let me show you this word. Is this God's word? It is inspired. I have given my life to this Word. I love this Word. I am not talking negative about this Word. But this Word is not a book of do's and don'ts. It's a book of I will's and I want to's. Amen. Amen. But what we need to understand about this book is that this book is an ongoing revelation. This, This book is a dynamic progression of the revelation that man had of God at that time and it brought so much life and, and newness to the world. God breathed into it and inspired it and said, that's good. Yeah, yeah. But it's an ongoing revelation of who man thought God was at the time. God hasn't changed, but our understanding and revelation of who he is in his heart has. Amen. Yeah, good. You got it? Yeah. Okay. Now we're going to do one other thing. Is how did Abraham know God? What, what did he call God? Because you know the story, he takes his son to sacrifice him, and right before the knife comes down, there's a ram in a bush. Thank God for the ram, right? And that is known as Jehovah Jireh. The, 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 so Abraham knew God as Jehovah Jireh. So here we have the picture. In Abraham's time, God lived up. How much do you worship? Oh. Uh, I learned that in school, that was my answer in high school when they asked me questions, so I got that down real good. Wichita Falls, Texas it had nothing to do with their educational system, it had something to do with me. And they asked me a question and they said, well what's the answer, I don't know. And see, in Abraham's time, they knew that God was up, but they didn't know how much to do, if anything, and so they came up with two forms of worship, which was male sacri- the, the, the multitude of children's sacrifice bodily harm, mutilations, and Abraham knew God as Jirah, Jehovah Jirah. got a question. So when God, when the world was this way in male, uh, with children's sacrifice, and God brought, stopped his hand from killing his son, and God brought a ram, uh, an animal into the situation, is that better than male sacrifice? Is, that be- is, is animal sacrifice better than children's sacrifice? Yes or no? Yes. All right. Is, is circumcision, let me just do that circumcision thing because I don't think you understand that. I should have went out and got a rock. I'll just do it with this. How old was Abraham? Scripture says he was 99. And I'm going to start acting like a 99 year old man. Uh. <laughs> eyesight's really not that good. And I got a little shaking going on. You ever know anybody's like that? Start getting a little old, they say, I a little shaking going on. <laughs> you said, do what? <laughs> <laughs> so mutilations multi-body mutilations went to one is one type of mutilation better than many absolutely Abraham knew him as Jehovah Jireh now we got to speed up now we could milk this all day long but we got to speed up then another man comes along about 400, 500 years later I didn't add, hadn't added it up his name is Moses. And you know the story of Moses, so I'm not going to deliberate on that. But he's out taking care of his sheep. He sees a burning bush. He's not in the Holy Land. He's not part of the children of Israel. He knows he's part of them, but he's away from them. He goes up to a burning bush, and the burning bush says, Come here. He goes up there. He gets instructions from the, 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 the God of, he said, who are you? He said, I'm the God of Abraham and 400, maybe 500 years of a group of people knowing God as Jehovah Jireh. Now remember, he didn't know necessarily the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He just killed a man and ran into the woods. He ran into the wilderness. And now he's on a mountaintop, and he's hearing, "Oh, this is the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob." And then he says this. you ever just stop and listen he says, "Well, who do I say send me?" Well, see, if he would have known who the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob was, he wouldn't ask the question. In other words, duh, I like that. It brings it right down to earth for my kind of understanding. If you're the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, who do I say send me? And what's he say? I am that I am. yud hay that's how you say it in, the, in, the, in Hebrew. yud hay know. Now, Now wait a minute, did he say, I am Jehovah-Jireh? He didn't say that, did he? Now wait a minute, when Moses went back to the children of Israel, and said, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob has sent me, his name is Yudhade Avhave. <laughs> <laughs> He's, I am that I am. No, the God, our God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is Jehovah Jireh. Wait a minute, did they have to change their theology? Did they have to change a belief system? I mean, God is something other than what we've been believing for 450 years? I mean, there's another aspect of God that we hadn't seen? Every time the children, what's, see, we're, we're looking at, we look back at history and we don't understand what they had to go through to get where we're at today. How many people, it says to people, how many times did God change his name? Every time he changed his name, or didn't change his name, but brought a new revelation of his name. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. See, it's not that, see, God has never changed, but our revelation of who yeah. he is has. Amen. See, he's just not Jehovah Jireh, but he's the great I am, yeah. that I am. Not only is he the great I am, but he's Jehovah Sidkenu, Jehovah Mekaddash, Jehovah Shalom. Yeah. He's Jehovah. I mean. Just like there's, there's four things we're talking about. It's the progression of, now, in Moses' time, where did God, Moses said, well, we're going to put God in a tent. See, God was, in Abraham's time, up. And in Moses' time, he was in a tent. tent and he was known as something other than Jehovah-Jireh. And the progression, the progressional revelation of who God really is that never changed is changing before us throughout history. To where he was at, he was up and now he's in a tent. He's called something else. And God took multitude multitude of baby sacrifices to animal sacrifices and it was a myriad of animal sacrifices until Moses came and he said, hey, let's do one per household per year. Got a question, is one animal sacrifice per family per year better than an unknown quantity of just massive blood, just killing of animals to sacrifice, which is better? Is God bringing mankind to a more intimate, personal revelation of who he is? Absolutely. Throughout history we see this, just not in where he is at, but the type of worship that he requires. That's good. Being more intimate each step of the way. Man, this is powerful stuff when you understand the full picture. And so another man comes along, his name is David, and he started the process, he didn't finish it, but he started building the tabernacle. His son Solomon had the tabernacle, so in Abraham's day, God was what? Come on, you're, you're getting lazy on me. And Abraham's God day was what? Up. Oh. and Moses' day, God was what? In a tent. And David and Solomon's day, God was in a temple. Wow, he was in a temple and they were still doing only one part of body mutilations which was, was cir- circumcision and uh, there was still one sacrifice per year. But there was something different about this period of time. You know, God began to reveal himself. Matter of fact, after this period of time, you have the prophets that are out sitting around, alongside the riverbanks and they begin to hear God speak to them. And so in their mind, they say, listen, God is just not up. He's just not in a tent and he's not in the temple that we're used to being in. He's now with us. He's, I mean, he's around us. He's where we are at. Do you see what I'm saying? So the prophets began to prophesy this and the people they were prophesying had a problem with it because it went against their doctrine. Yeah. It, went against, it went against the revelation that they had and refused to go on to the new one. Every time God revealed something new about him, there was a group of people that didn't want to go there right. and condemn the ones that went yeah. there. Yeah. That's Does this make sense why yeah. Jesus said yeah. they're going to yeah. kick you out of the synagogues? and they're going to kill you thinking they did God a service yeah. because they are not willing to go. See, what they knew about God is limited. Yeah. It's not relevant. It's not up to date. See, good. they're not wrong. People that go, is, the, the scripture says the reason, and we just read it in John, says the reason they're going to do this is because they don't know The Father. Did they know God? Are they wrong? No. They're not relevant. They're not in sync. Because is God God? Yes. But see, they think we're wrong. Because we went beyond them. We have a new revelation of an ongoing revelation that God has been bringing to the earth for his people to hear and know and learn about him. Some of you have been kicked out of your churches because you begin to speak in tongues. Guess what? That's just a new revelation that they didn't want to receive. And you got kicked out of their synagogue. And they thought they were doing their denomination, they thought they were doing God a justice by getting you out of there. They're gonna protect their sheep, bless God. See how this fits? Now, let me just speed this up real quick for the sake of time. Abraham, God lived. Uh-uh. Moses, God lived in a tent. David and Solomon's time, he lived in a temple. The prophets, God was revealed around them. Jesus came in the flesh. This is so good. God was in the flesh. Let me read this to you. We're going to stay, go back, We're gonna. I guess it's not up there. I'm going to read this. And these things they will do to you because they did not know the Father. Now wait a minute. Started out as Jehovah Jireh. The I am that I am. And the myriad of names of God that begin to reveal his true character and kindness and love and care for his people. And he manifests in the flesh. And I love what this says. you got to read this. you got to read this. It says here in verse, verse 4. But these things I have told you that when the time comes, you may remember that I told you of them. And these things I did not say to you at the beginning. <laughs> because I was... And now the apostle Paul comes and says he's no longer with you he's in you amen come on church oh man at the beginning of time he was up he was in a tent he was in a temple he was by the the the, the waterside and then he was with us and now he's in yeah. you yes is this not a progressional revelation of who God is and always has been and always will be? It's just our, us opening our eyes to the revelation of who he's always been. Amen. Amen. He's always loved the world. But we hadn't seen it because we've been under the law. Amen. So as we can do that with where God was at and where he's at today, I got a question for you. Just like it says here, they didn't know the Father, they knew God. See, Jehovah Jireh, And we'd talk about all the names. And they'd a you know, how how do we know? Jesus came, see, Jesus didn't come to teach the Jews about God. They knew God and they were what? Afraid. He came and introduced the Jews to the Father. A new revelation of the same person that they've always known, but they weren't willing to accept it. And they were willing to kill cast people out of the church and kill for it to defend their faith. How come the people that go on with new revelation don't condemn the people in the past, but it's the people being left behind that condemn the ones going forward? Oh man, you need to think about that. But don't think you got it either. Because not only do we know him as father, listen, doesn't the scripture say that that when you get born again, there's a spirit place within you that cries out, Abba Father. See, there's people, I, you know, we can pick on the Jews all we want to. They know God is God. But there's people in our churches. There's people in here that always known God as God and have never been able to cry out, Abba Father. I've got news for you. It doesn't stop there there's going to be a revelation that's going to hit the church one day. See, when you read the rest of the Bible, you, find out, you start hearing things like the marriage supper of the, the Lamb, the bride of... See, there's going to be a day when those that call Him Father are going to have to say, oh, my beloved. Amen. Yes. Oh, see, there's some new revelation coming that you're going to have to have faith that you not... That Jesus said, I'm telling you this so you don't stumble. That's if you're walking. Now, if you stopped you won't have a problem with it because you won't even believe it. You'll say they're wrong. That's heretics. That's of the devil. And you'll kill people. You'll kill people and you'll separate families and friends and relationships as you had for years because they went beyond you. But Jesus told us about this. He told us what was going to happen. That there's going to be an ongoing revelation of who God is. And there's still revelation coming. Are you willing to take that step of faith? Are you willing to believe what there is to believe? Are you going to stop and point your finger at those that go beyond you? They're calling God. They're calling Jesus his beloved. Well, that can't be right. I know him as father. Are you going to know him as husband? Are you going to know him as husband? Or is that too much of a stretch for you? So in Abraham's Abraham's day, God lived? What was the sacrifice before God changed it? Child sacrifice. Multitudes. Then animal sacrifice. Many animal sacrifice. Then one animal per family per year. And then Jesus came along. And God said, let me reveal another kind of sacrifice. One person. One time for all sin, for all man, for all time. Is that better than many children sacrifice? Is that better than many animal sacrifice? Is that better than one animal a year per family? To have one person for all man, for all time, for all eternity, for all sin. That's better. See, it's simple, God's revelation of who he has always been in his plan. Six different places in the word of God by four different authors, God is saying, Look back to how it, remember the tree? Remember the tree? Do I, if I had the tree, you got rid of my prop. If I, how many people remember the tree right here? That means you was here before I was. <laughs> six times, six different books, four different authors, God speaks of those things that were before the foundations of the world. And you know what was before his, the, the foundation of the world? His love for you. Yes. And this word of God that we have is a total revelation. uh, It's an ongoing revelation of who God always has been, who he always will be. But it's our understanding of history and man's revelation of that process. This is so powerful. It puts so much at peace. Quit saying people are wrong that call God. See, if they believe something over here and they don't want to go, guess what? They're just limited when you quit going on with God's revelation for the church, you limit yourself and your understanding and your ability to be free. Yes. Were they sons, excuse me, were they servants over here under the law? Yes. yes. You know how many people I deal with up in the north, now you guys got it all down, you, got, you, you caught it right away first time, never had any problem with it, but they still think they're servants under the law, and I'm trying to tell them they're sons. I get that argument all the time. Well, the Bible says we're servants. No, the Bible says your sons that serve. Amen. Your identity is not in your obedience to the law. Your identity is in what your father says about you. If you've been born again, God has changed. God doesn't change Pastor Curtis, I understand, but your <laughs> revelation has changed Amen. of who he is. He's no longer God. He's your Abba Father. Oh, man. Start praying. See, we, talk, we always go into prayer, and in prayer we always, you know, because we're Americans, I, I wish I had time to show you all the things in Scripture about the historical arc and how you need to understand the historical arc to make Scripture make sense because there's some stuff in Scripture that makes no sense whatsoever. I don't care how theologically sound you are, you know, there's some stuff in there. If you, if you just read right past it, because you're too scared you're going to look at it because it's going to screw you up. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's a passage in the, in the Word of God there that says that when you go into battle and, and you're victorious and you see their, their good-looking women, and it says, take them home with you. Shave their head. Cut off their nails. Take their clothes off. If you're not happy with them, get rid of them. Does that sound like you're God? No. That's because we don't understand the historical arc. That scripture is found in, in Deuteronomy chapter 21. You realize at that point in time, see, that's just understanding historical arc, is that at that point in time, women were what? Property. Property. They, were, they were lower than the goats. Right. And if we read that passage of scripture, uh, and I, I love why, the, like I said, the great, I've quoted her twice already, the great uh, Karen Armstrong, the historian Karen Armstrong, she said that was the greatest women's rights movement that this world has ever known, even unto this day, because God took women from being property into being a wife, living in a home with all the honor and respect that another human being would have living with a husband. Amen. Amen. In one verse. Moses spoke something that the world had never heard and brought women out of bondage. Oh, my God. It's a powerful thing. Powerful thing. If we just start reading the word, understanding who our father is and who he always has been, I believe with all my heart, God has never changed. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. But our revelation of who He is and always has been, has. Don't live a life limited, be open to receive all God wants to show you. I guarantee you, even if you are shown everything, there's still more. Yes, amen. Just cause you hadn't heard it, don't mean it's not truth. Just cause it doesn't line up with your doctrine and your denomination and your belief system, Listen, have you ever believed something before and you found out it wasn't true? Yep. What well, makes you think you're right now? This, Jesus was talking to the Pharisees. Did the Pharisees know Scripture? Here's something I want you to understand. In John chapter 8, he's talking to the Pharisees and they knew Scripture, and, and, but they didn't know the truth. They knew Scripture. How many people know Scripture? Don't raise your hand. How many, people, uh, and how many people you know out there that know scripture that don't know the truth? See, same thing, this scripture here is talking about the coming of the Holy Spirit. You realize, now I, I say this, and to say this up north, because they're, they're really religious, you know, and, and they don't, they're not, you see, a lot of us are religious, we just don't let people know about it, but, but I say this all the time and people just want to pick up stones, you know, and I says, you realize Jesus taught truth? Does everybody, raise your hand if you know Jesus taught truth. Yes. Okay, put your hands down. But you realize he didn't teach all truth? You just keep reading this passage of scripture in John chapter 16. He said, I've taught you truth, but you can't handle the rest until the Holy Spirit comes. And he's the spirit of truth. And he'll teach you all truth. So there's more to learn other than what, well, it's in red, but there's more to learn other than what Jesus said. Amen. Jesus said in red that there's more truth. Yeah. Do you have scripture? Put, there's put, just, we got the sake of time. I'm just a little bit over. Put Colossians chapter one, verse 24 on the screen. We're going 24, 25, and 26. If you can put that up on the board, Colossians chapter one. Now, this is said, I know, four, uh, forced specific times in four different books. Now, uh, I now rejoice in my sufferings for you and will fill up in my flesh what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ for the sake of his body, which is the church. Next verse, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God, which was given to me for you to fulfill the what? Word of God. Everybody say Word of God. Word of God. Well, what Word of God are we talking about? Is this the Word of God that's talking about? Careful how you answer that question. Next verse. The mystery which has been hidden. What Word of God? It's the Word of God that was in the form of a mystery that's been hidden from generations and ages, but now is being revealed to his saints. There's a new word of God that this verse is saying that was hidden before Genesis 1-1, but is now being revealed. It always has been, always will be, but it has a time to be opened up to his saints. And that word is Christ in you, the hope of glory. (laughs) Man, that'll set you free. The apostle Paul was graced to preach the mystery, not the history. Did he know the history? Absolutely. How many churches are gifted at teaching the history and they're not teaching the mystery? Jesus said, there's more for you to know that I haven't been able to teach you, but the Holy Ghost is gonna teach you in all truth. And that truth that needed to be taught was the mystery that was hidden from ages and generations from before, before the time began. And we need to understand, if you don't receive it, you're gonna limit your life to something old. You'll still be right, but you'll be limited. You won't be current. Yeah, I wanna be current. What, and when he says, start calling me beloved, I'm gonna say, yes, dear. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how you're gonna say that in Hebrew, our new creation language. I'll say, yes, honey. I'll say whatever he wants me to call him because I'm gonna be his beloved and my beloved's gonna be mine. Yes, amen. I'm gonna go from being a son to being a bride. And as I'm saying that, I'm a man. And if you got a problem with that, you best get over with amen. Because in Christ, there's neither male nor female. He don't care. He's gonna marry us all. Are you willing to be one of them? That call him beloved. Are you gonna, to... see, Jesus said, I tell you these things so you don't stumble but see if you're standing still in the old doctrine the old belief system the old way knowing god as god you'll never know him as father if you never know him as father you'll never know him as beloved and you'll be limited it's up to you let's all stand our feet